1: This is a Lip Media Podcast.
0: That's
1: some bad hat hair.
0: It's a cool
1: show. Get any of
0: that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful <laughs> From you love. are Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive, and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis.
1: Ah, I'm Damask Larry
0: And today we'll be discussing <laughs> Black Sails season one. Wow, that's oh, really me fun. Hearties. We should have been doing that fun. from the start. That was really good. I'm glad you injected yeah. that. How are you I'm doing? I'm sure
1: Demas? the people would love that to be throughout <laughs> the episode and not obnoxious or annoying at all. Absolutely,
0: so. of course. How are we doing? To mask
1: i'm really good um you know just living through lockdown mm. just hanging out i've got nothing to report It's a bit how like are that. you broad
0: yeah uh just you know trying to make my way through lockdown 2.0 as we call mm-hmm. it here in victoria the the covid state uh <laughs> really loving that we
1: can't be stopped we can't be stopped <laughs> for mm-hmm. those
0: who haven't heard uh the state of victoria in australia has gone back into lockdown, so we're back to stage three restrictions, which means we can't see each other at the moment. Uh, we're Mm-mm. back to recording online. Um, I'm going to work every day. I'm coming home, and that is my life. Mm. And I think well, it's is- nice
1: to leave the house. Yeah, I'm no, I feel out privileged. Out with- <laughs> I'm hanging out with my plants, my dog, my girlfriend, my cat, um, having lots of baths just to pretend I'm somewhere else, um, just wandering from room to room, looking for purpose. Yet to find it, but...
0: If those weren't your only options, that sounds delightful. It's just when <laughs> no. you're stuck doing that in a loop forever, yeah. it becomes yeah, less Yeah, the so. first
1: lockdown, I was fine. I was like, this is great. The second lockdown, I'm like, this is never going to end. So, it's a different perspective.
0: Have you been watching anything recently? You started watching The Bachelor in Paradise?
1: Yes. yes. So enjoying that. It's early days, so not a whole lot of drama just yet. It's more as like people get introduced in. um, Though they introduced three new people last episode who weren't attached to previous Bachelor franchises at all. So you're like, oh, what an opportunity to bring in some crazy characters, diverse bunch. It was three of the most boring white men. You could just imagine just picture the three most boring white men So, I'm you just going to just thinking imagine. about
0: Big Brother Australia. Yep, uh, thinking yep, about meh. your
1: friendship group. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. It's <laughs> them. <laughs> but even oh, more boring. <laughs> it's funny because they're my friends too. Um, even more boring, add some white noise, some static in, and that's them. I don't know what casting were thinking, but it was shit. But that's okay because I've started watching season two of The American X on the Beach. And that is giving me all the drama, all the diversity. It's it's brilliant. Oh, Love good. It.
0: Excellent. Mm-hmm. Is this the one where the X's come out of the water like yes. Poseidon <laughs> is rising from the sea, sort of? Yeah,
1: I haven't stopped watching it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Such a good concept <laughs> for a show. Uh, Big Brother Australia finished.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Predictably, three extremely boring white people. Possibly, <sighs> yep. even though they weren't like there was one I liked least, the most boring, dumb white person won. White man won somehow. Um, That's Australian
1: voting. Oh,
0: my God. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I don't know. I'm half tempted to apply for big... No, you know what? I'm not because I don't want to be on there because they don't need more of fucking me on that show. (laughs)
1: That's true.
0: I'm overrepresented.
1: You are part of the problem, Brad. Part of the problem. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm a white man. Yeah. I should be on television. I know how to, fi- I know how to fix their diversity problem. <laughs> I'll go on the show and talk about their diversity problem. Brilliant. You solved it. You it works, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well done.
0: All right. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Black Sales season 1. Let me clue you in.
1: Season in
0: review. Black Sails is a Starz original adventure television series written to be a prequel to the 1883 Robert Louis Stevenson novel Treasure Island, blended with real historical pirates of the time. During the golden age of piracy, feared Captain Flint rallies his crew, including new cook John Silver, to hunt down the treasure galleon Urca de Lima as they fight for the survival of New Providence Island. The series was created by Jonathan E. Steinberg and Robert Levine, and stars Toby Stevens, Hannah New, Jessica Parker- Kennedy, Tom Ho- Hopper, uh, not Tom Hooper—that's the director of Cats. Zach McGowan, Toby Schmitz, Clara Padgett, Mark Ryan, Hakeem K. Kazim, Lu- Louise Barnes, an Australian actor and all-round cool guy. Luke Arnold as fledgling pirate Long John Silver. Black Sails debuted online for free on various streaming platforms, including YouTube, on January 18th, 2014, and premiered on cable a week later. Season one consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 56 minutes, and took us approximately seven hours and 40 minutes to watch. So, Damascus, my Mm -hmm. first question for you is, how familiar are you with Treasure Island, uh, pirate history, uh, the pirate genre in general? Like, how into this scene are you?
1: Well, my knowledge of pirate history is extensive, as you know. Uh, <laughs> the authority <laughs> know. on it in Australia. <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right. Currently doing my thesis on it. Uh, no, I don't know anything about pirate history. Um, other than, you know, they loved a bit of raping and pillaging. Um, I think I learnt the majority from about it from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So I assume back then, dead men walked <laughs> among us um, but they told no tales they did tell no tales mm. which made the movie very boring um, no I in terms of Treasure Island obviously Muppet Treasure Island which I do mention in my spoiler free review coming mm-hmm. up obviously because that is my one reference point but I don't know it growing up and I loved many things deemed masculine but it was such a like a boy thing. But it was one of the boy things that didn't really interest me. I was more into like superheroes and stuff. Um, But yeah, Pirates didn't really win me over. I enjoyed the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, like most people. But that, yeah, went downhill very fast. What about you?
0: Yeah, Pirates is a funny one. Pirates is like, everyone understands like what a, I'm, I'm really thinking of the genre or the theme of Pirates here for a second. Mm. Pirates is one of those things that everyone understands. You know, me Hardies and Peg Legs and Parrots and Hook Hands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think like Peter Pan is probably one of the bigger mm-hmm. ones when it comes to Pirates. Hook oh, the film hook, hook is amazing. Which, a lot of yep. Pirates in Hook and um, a great reference point there. The, the genre of Pirates and like pirate adventure swashbuckling films was mm-hmm. sort of, realistically was ahead of our time I think probably the most notable ones were before we were even born probably I want to say like yeah maybe 60s 70s 80s those sorts of like films and then I I think there was Cutthroat or Island or something like that was a film that came out I remember having that on VHS in our little video library at the motel my parents ran and then it just was a dead genre until Pirates of the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed the first film and the second film, and to some degree the third film, and I haven't actually watched the other two. No. Um, tr- Treasure Island. Never read the book. Have watched Muppets Treasure Island. May have had a sneaky semi rewatch recently because of Black mm-hmm. sales. Nice. Um, but I also watched. Do you remember the Disney animated film Treasure Planet, which was?
1: I've never actually seen it.
0: So I've we had that on DVD. It was. I don't know if you remember this. When you would buy a DVD player for the first time you'd get like five or six like DVDs thrown in for free because no one had DVDs. And Treasure yeah. Planet was one of them. We also had the PS1 game, which was absolutely rubbish. Like one of the worst <laughs> video games ever made. Gotcha. This this is my this is my extensive knowledge of the pirate
1: genre. hmm mm-hmm. okay. So we're both games. coming into this <laughs> in in good standing. Great, great, great.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like I'm aware of characters like I know I've heard the name Captain Flint, or I've heard the name Blackbeard. I've heard the name Long John Silver. I know about pirates and Peg leagues. That's cool.
1: it. I also think I'm a little jaded around the genre because when we were kind of later years of high school mm. You know, like, what is it, Pirate Day and all that shit? Like, people were kind of obsessed with pirates. Oh, talk like pirates, a Pirate Day and, and stuff like really, that. Yeah, yeah. I found it very obnoxious oh, yeah. and annoying, so.
0: Pirates, yeah. like, just, it's, like, exists in there among, like, ninjas and zombies and things. It's, like, one of those things just gets Ugh. exploited every yeah. now and again as, like, oh, it's fun to pretend to be one. And, like, yeah. I don't know, it doesn't mean that And there's-
1: people with, like... Little to no interest really latch on to those things. We- and every joke is about ninjas or pirates. And you're like, please shut up.
0: When you yes. say little to no interest, do you mean there's little to nothing interesting about those people? And they yes. latch on to Okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. totally understand what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> they need a personality. Pirates will do. That's uh, it. Damask, could you please give us your spoiler-free review of Black Sales Season 1?
1: You know what, bro? I will do that for you. Thank you. Alright, I was not enthused to watch this show. I mean, it's about pirates and as we were saying, Pirates of the Caribbean, which is one of my few points that I have watched anything about pirates, it got real shit real fast and everything else about pirates always seemed like it was full of toxic masculinity. It was like a toxic masculinity wet dream. Men get to rape and pillage and then hang out with zero women on the high seas. So what what is in pirate stories for me? So although I must say none of that applies to Muppet Treasure Island, which is one of the best pirate films of all time, if not the best pirate film of all time. But our, one of our listeners, GJ, recommended it and they were very, very enthusiastic about it and have, for a very long time they've been telling us to watch it. So I was like, I trust, GJ, let's do it. And when the show started at the very beginning, I thought it was going to be a story about a roguish charmer, which I am rarely, if ever, charmed by. But thankfully, there was a move away from that initial character and we dove straight into the complex world of pirate politics, trade routes and shifting alliances. There is one plot line in season one that is given a lot of weight but it's definitely less engaging than everything else on the show. Can so you that give me was,
0: a hint as to what that plot line is, like which characters that involves?
1: Um, I think the description I'm about to give you will probably give okay. it away. Sure. Um, it's it's kind of this looming sort of Damocles above two characters' heads. However, it only affects those two characters and they're probably the least interesting. Um, it's... It's the it's Captain Flint. Okay. Can I say that? Okay. Yeah, really say is, that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say okay. anything about what the, what okay. the plot is. Um, and I think when the show relies on that, this kind of like mystery element of it. Um, oh, surrounding, I know what you're saying. Yes, yeah, yes, those yes. two characters. <clears throat> yep. I think those episodes are the poorer for it. Like I was genuinely interested in some other stuff going on, but they kept shifting back to that and it just wasn't working for me. Yep. So the shifting tides of power and the intrigue in catching this white whale of treasure is what propels us through season one. But in this show, it was the struggles of the women that kept me coming back episode after episode. Black Sails doesn't shy away from the perils women face in a world ruled by men who see them as possessions or purchase goods – However, it infuses each female character with their own strategies and strengths to overcome and persevere, and that's what had me hooked. So, for all of my concern that it was really going to be about men being gross and disgusting, which it is—like there's, there's plenty of that in there. There was there was a real focus on one the politics, which I was surprised by and fascinated by as well. But really, this focus on the f- this on the female characters and what it would be like to try and even survive in any way in that world, and it didn't kind of infuse it with a modern day perspective about that. It's like, well, this is the situation, and this is, might be a way that you can get a, get around that um, if you're a woman in this world. All in all, this show is good. It's much, much, much better than I expected, considering how little fanfare I've seen or heard for it. Mm. Um, And you can see why at the time when it was coming out, certain people were making comparisons to Game of Thrones. However, I think with this show, unfortunately, I think the brand of a pirate show, which at the time of its release was a bit passe and a bit daggy at that point, it made the show undesirable for many, including myself. But there is a lot of good here. It's a grounded creation of a life that has been kind of drenched in fantasy in many people's minds and I think it was a worthwhile adventure that I recommend for those that miss Game of Thrones but can't bring themselves to rewatch it, given how it ended. I think it's you know if you're missing that kind of politicking in a world that is different to our own, I think yeah, it's it's there's some real good there. I recommend it. Cool. What about you, Brood? I'm
0: gonna take a slightly different tone. Uh, I, I I agree with a lot like what you're saying, and I want to uh, come to a lot of that stuff when I get to it. Uh, when we get to it in spoilers, yeah. But I'll start by saying this. Black sales, more like hack fails, am I right? Hell, No, I'm joking. That's I just couldn't exist <laughs> for fun. What? But the first half of this season, I gotta say, I was really not feeling mm. this show. And we talked about in our last off topic, hot topic, how I just I don't know if I was in the right place. Like, yeah. mentally at the time. A lot of stuff happening at the moment and, like, just struggling to really bring myself to get through it. Mm. Um, I don't know how you make a hyper-violent, s- slightly Firefly-ish-esque, and I'm a Firefly fan, pirate adventure show about a vicious captain and his colourful crews, uncompromising search for a ship overflowing with tre- treasure. Boring, but black sails <laughs> found a way in the first four episodes. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm serious. Mm. Like... yeah. For a show about like and, I, and obviously it's it's trying to do something else. It is about the politics on Nassau. It is about the politics of the pirate lifestyle and this idea of being disconnected from the rest of the world and escaping civilization and having their own paradise and what that means to make that function. I get that. I really, really do. Mm. But for four episodes, it just felt like it was scheme, 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 and very little else happening. Just. I struggled to care about anyone or anything that was happening particularly. I liked certain characters. Mm. I did have sympathy for certain characters in particular, but nothing for some reason was really getting me invested. I don't know. The show just couldn't find its hook for whatever reason. And going back to GJ's original pitch to us in our uh, extra quarantine episode, they were talking about how the show takes a while to find its own identity. Mm -hmm. it, It starts out as being a bit too much like Game of Thrones. It was trying to recreate what Game of Thrones was doing until it finds its own identity. And one of the other things that was I was struggling with as well is I found some of the character act, uh, actions. and I do want to talk to you about this because I think mm-hmm. there is something to discuss. But some of them were so baffling to me that I was struggling to – I just like – I don't understand what you just did and why. I think mm-hmm. from an emotional point of view, I see what you're doing. From yeah. a logical point of view, I'm struggling so hard to follow you that – You've lost me completely as like- I don't think
1: you're wrong there. A
0: sympathetic Mm -hmm. character. Like, it's hard to sympathize with what you just did to yourself. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. We'll get to that later. I just kept thinking, it's like, can we please get back on the fucking boats? And then we were at sea again and everything got better. Like, all of a sudden, little, little things, little things. And again, maybe I'm just a simpleton, a dullard, but when- they're at six knots and they need to get an extra knot and a half to catch up to that ship they're chasing to get the guns. Mm-hmm. And we see how they do it. And I'm watching that happen like nautical adventure right? stuff. I was like, yeah. I really enjoyed that sequence. It wasn't like high action, it didn't need a big mm. CGI budget. I just needed to see how that works with the captain and the crew and making that happen I was like I really enjoyed that the stakes yeah. got higher the plotting got more interesting and like it felt like there was a pulse to the show again like there was imminent danger rather than just existential or theoretical this is going to be a problem somewhere down the line mm-hmm. the action that was there um again it's not this is not competing with game of thrones level of action or anything like that no But it was thrilling and you felt the stakes and you understood when things were going bad Mm. and things were going good. Um, And then some of the conversations that were taking place at Sea in particular just started to peel away at what actually made our characters tick. I feel like for a long time they were being kept at bay because they were keeping these barriers up. They wanted to keep Mm. the mystery up as to what people's actual motivations were. We just started to really understand what made certain characters tick. Captain Flint, in particular for me, in the second half of the season, I started to... Because you don't necessarily agree with his motivations, but at least you're like, I get what makes you tick now. I get what's driving you now, finally. And all of a sudden, I was invested. And then by the end of the season, all of this stuff that was building up to, and maybe this is where I need to give the show more credit, really started to to matter. The chickens came home to roost Mm -hmm. in a way that it crescendoed really, really, really well and i'm genuinely excited to watch season 2 which is incredible place to be where four episodes later i was i couldn't bring myself to watch the next episode and then by the yeah. end of the season i'm like ah oh, i get it now you got me and i hate i hate being that guy that's like listen you got to watch this show you just got to get through the first five episodes right <laughs> there, there's yeah. nothing worse than being like it's a great show except for when it's shit at the yeah. start and you got to make your way through that
1: Considering since it's four and a half hours of content you have to get through,
0: they are long episodes, right? It's not Mm. like it's an easy breeze. These aren't twenty minutes. You just have to sort of like, like you have, and and if you're not paying attention to those first four Mm -hmm. episodes, the back half won't be as rewarding because there's a lot of character dynamics and relationships and like um, alliances and stuff you have to understand. But it got there, Um, and so I give it, I give it that. Uh, the praise for that. I'm really happy it got to where it was going, but boy, I got off to a slow start. It was a struggle. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this in spoilers though. Final score for you out of five stars, what would you give season one,
1: Damask? Um, I'm going to give it like a 3.5, but it's like a high 3.5. So it's <laughs> moving towards a four, but yeah, 3.5, I think for me.
0: I'm also giving it a 3.5. I think that's the perfect score for mm. it. It's like it's on the edge of greatness. It's like I can see the potential here for sure, and mm-hmm. to be as excited for the next season as I am, it obviously is a success ultimately. Yeah, but I couldn't give it anything close to a four based on what I had to. I felt like I was enduring, and that I make I make it sound really bad, but I really wasn't enjoying the show for four <laughs> whole episodes, and it was Fair enough. That's half the season.
1: Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the podcast to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way.
0: And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week,
0: we'll be back with our review of Corporate Season One. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of corporate, or if you have any thoughts on black sales, you can write to us or send an audio recording uh, that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Black Sales Season One.
1: You're now entering the spoiler zone.
0: Our spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Black Sails. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Black Sails up to this point have not done so proceed with caution there are spoilers ahead you have have
1: been been
0: warned warned. me deep dive it's cool to know other people think about this stuff too where would you like to start today damask what would you like to talk about first is there a particular character a storyline or element of the show that really you're ready to talk about
1: i think we both perhaps had issues um, surrounding, and I think you got there in the end. But surrounding Captain Flint, mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about that guy.
0: Certainly. What were your issues with him early on, that or, or even throughout, that you struggled with as much as you did? I think when you're talking about the two characters with this sort of Damocles, you're talking about. Are you talking about him and and Barlow. Uh, Miranda Barlow? Yeah, right. <clears> That's yeah. a very weird Ooh, element of the show, and I feel like I I think Miranda Barlow could be a very interesting character but there's so much mystery and like distance put between them and the audience that i just kept going i don't care about this why did we yeah, spend I so much time here
1: the show really overestimates how interesting that element is yeah um i mean when we first meet her i was like oh my god an age appropriate love interest that's wonderful who is this woman mm-hmm. um and then we got to know more about her or didn't really we just spent more time that that little house that she was living at. And I was like, Oh, I'm sure we'll find out more and more and more. I mean, did we? I we got slivers of information, but you know, when you've got an element of mystery, it really has diminishing returns, particularly the more you bring it up and the less you give me information about it. Totally. Um, it just gets to a point of being annoying and making me go fuck off like I don't care anymore unless you're either giving me something or it's simply just like a bit of a hint of mystery that you give me at the beginning and then I as an audience member just carry that in every scene that they're in and it isn't necessarily alluded to but yeah I found it really frustrating and it made me kind of bored of the character of Mm. Captain Flint as well I was just kind of like I mean he's I didn't find him particularly engaging. I found him a really frustrating character... Um, I think it wasn't until really the very end when he kills his, I can't remember the guy's name, but Mr. the Gates. cool guy that we all like, yes. Yep. The cool um, guy we
0: all like. It's true, though. I mean, they <laughs> yeah. do a very good job of making him likeable and, like, yeah. he's the reasonable guy here, right? He's stuck in yeah. the middle. He's the great right-hand man. And mm-hmm. how can he's you not be on Mr. Gates' side? Yeah.
1: He understands the dynamics. The crew respect is- him.
0: Flint respects him. We respect yeah. him. How can we not like Mr. Gates? Yeah,
1: yeah. and it wasn't until Flint killed Gates that made me go oh like Flint is legitimately a, a bad guy like yep. he is you know people are always talking about you know he's selfish and blah blah and all this kind of stuff and I I thought the mystery they were alluding to was that he has this reputation but is actually like an honourable good man mm-hmm. and then I think with the killing of Gates, it's finally revealed to me at least that that is not the case. Like he has his own agenda and is literally willing to do anything to get it.
0: Uh, yeah. The Miranda, the Barlow stuff, the – well she gets her she gets her flea bag season 2 moment. That didn't uh that didn't <laughs> That didn't make her any more interesting to you?
1: <laughs> no, cuz I no, it doesn't. <laughs> Simply fucking a priest is not enough. <laughs> um believe fucking it or not. a priest
0: not. Is, is in of itself is not enough,
1: right? No, <laughs> I I didn't understand why that would be interesting to me. I didn't even in that scene really understand What she was trying to prove in the grander scheme of things, obviously she's proving to that priest guy that his intentions are not entirely Mm honourable, but what that tells me about Mrs Barlow, I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, I get the sense that she is not as attached to Captain Flint um, in like this kind of grand romantic way that you can kind of imagine like this swashbuckling pirate and his lady might be. So I, I, it allowed me to understand that a bit more, but not really. I mean, I don't care about that priest guy. I don't care that he's coming over all the time. He's neither here nor there as a character. Um, and yeah, it's just very murky. Like I don't really understand the purpose. The hard of thing her. about
0: the Barlow stuff in general, and anytime she's with Flint, is except for uh Eleanor's dad, who, Mr. Guthrie, right? Mm. He, she seems completely removed from the rest of the show. Like, even like where yeah. she lives is like a horse ride away from Nassau. So it's like there's something, there's like a physical and like real distance from the storyline that means when mm-hmm. Flint's there, it's kind of, I don't know, it just it seems to drag the the energy away from the show as well. The best yeah. thing for me, ultimately, about that, and unfortunately, it serves Flint more than it serves her. I don't think she's been well served by the plot of this stage. She's just kind of yeah. like this uh, uh, this wildcard element that's maybe controlling things for Flint in the background. But when she's written the letter, mm-hmm. um, which gets found by Bill, and then is starting. To raise suspicions in him about, you know, this betrayal they're talking about, but ultimately was her trying to give him another option apart from pirating. The idea that he can move away from this life of being a cutthroat, and if he just takes a pardon, they can have a life together in Boston. And that, to him, was the line he couldn't cross, the... Mm there's this idea of pride in our leaders in this, both in Eleanor and in Flint, that yep. seems to be their poison, that seems to be their weakness, where they can't swallow their pride enough. They, they're good at managing what they do, yeah. but if asked to compromise their own pride, that's where things go wrong for them. Mm. And then that eventuates when he gets to that point with Mr. Gates, where he's saying the same thing. It's like, I can manage this to the point... Where I can mm-hmm. get you home, they're going to want you hanged, but I will help you escape with Mrs. Barlow, and you can piss off to Boston like she plans to. And then he's just like, "I'm not having that," and kills him on the spot, basically for it, just to stop that from happening. Yeah, uh, that that worked for me. I, I was like, now I understand, because mm. because as much as Flint was definitely nefarious and scheming and kept his secrets from his crew, he was doing a reasonable job of explaining why that might be beneficial to his crew, right? Yeah. These, these, the rest of the crew. As much as this is meant to be like this democratic sort of utopian pirate society or whatever, mm. they need someone who is willing to make the hard choices and maybe keep some things from them for the for the sake of them, for the sake of keeping this lifestyle going. Nassau mm-hmm. the, is not meant to last, right? If we want it to, we have to be doing some pretty um, some things that are a little bit nefarious in that sense, and yeah. that might include lying to the crew. And he was doing a good job of justifying that
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right up until he kills Mr. Gates. And at that point, you're like, I know who Flint is now. And I thought that was fantastic. To get to that point Mm -hmm. and now to go, well, what's going to happen next? um, Yeah, it makes him
1: a much more ominous presence moving forward, knowing now where his allegiances lie, which is to himself Mm -hmm. only, um, and what he is actually capable of doing. Um, so moving forward into season two, I'm genuinely excited to kind of see his presence become, yeah, I I found myself not caring that much about him, um, even on the boat and stuff. I was like, he just seems annoying and like this with this single focus that isn't overly interesting to me. Now seeing him as a threat to everyone else on the boat – I think, um, will be interesting moving forward, yeah.
0: How did you feel? It was really obviously signposted in the episode, right? When the final episode, when they're approaching, like going around the island where the Urca is meant to be Mm. and they're signposting it's not going to be there but it's building this idea, like all this effort and sacrifice and like work has gone into getting here, Uh, Mm. you know, they're relying on this information (laughs) from John and stuff and then to not see it, right? It's just not there.
1: Yeah,
0: and my my feeling was genuinely like I knew that was going to happen, but also fuck, I don't know what happens now. Like,
1: well, that's the thing is like I didn't. Ex- I mean, obviously, w- when the scene is taking only place. only in that scene, like yeah, it, it you are like, that oh, scene. it's yeah. not going to be there. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, I was like, well, they have to find it because then if they don't. The fuck's going to happen to the show? Like, what is the episode going to be? Also, um, it, because
0: it's if you under if you know the story of Treasure Island at all, you assume. I, I that mean, this, I do, but I don't remember. But yeah. Well, I don't think this is spoilers to say. If this is spoilers for a hundred and something year old book, um, Flint is famous for having this ex- buried treasure on tra- Treasure Island, right?
1: Oh yeah, right. It would be that treasure. So the, I didn't put those two. The implication together. is that yeah. Flint's
0: treasure is mm. from the Urca. I think one little detail I noticed mm-hmm. is if I understand this right, the amount of money that is supposedly, in, at least in the book, buried on Flint's island is mm-hmm. like exactly half of what the Urca supposedly ah, has. I think. That's cool. I think. Right. I might be getting that a little bit wrong, but I was like <laughs> picking up on it. It's like, that's an interesting amount too because it makes me go, well, what happened to the other half? Um, yeah. But yeah, that that's, you would imagine this is where, where Flint's treasure comes from. But anyway.
1: Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so in that scene and then it's... Not there, I also had the well, what are we doing now? And then when we had that, um, kind of Spanish warship From on man the man of war, yep, yeah, I was like, ugh, and I'm like, I'm not that's a bit boring to me, mm. um, because then I assume something bad's gonna happen and then we're gonna go into season two and like that's gonna be the thing, like they're gonna I mean, be like, wrong, I mean, but you're not, they're gonna be like. It, did they all drown or is Captain Flint dead? Or like that was going to be the, the drop-off point of season one. But I was very happy when we are ashore and um, John, John Silver, that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, Oh, come check out this thing. And it's the treasure, which I was like, that's, that's exciting. Like I'm excited to see them kind of, I guess somehow collecting it and transporting it back to Nassau if they can. Um, and yeah, because I don't, beyond that point, where things are going to go, <clears throat> sorry, in season two. I'm not super sure, but happy to find out. Happy to jump back in.
0: Let's talk about John for a second there. You mentioned John Silver. Mm-hmm. Not yet the nickname Long John Silver, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly that's coming. The How do you feel about that character in general? How do you feel about where we ended up with him? You said, you you know, we're introduced to this roguish charmer, you know, yeah. real out for himself, can kind of get any slippery situation sort of guy. Mm. Um, did you become attached to this character at all over time?
1: I wouldn't say attached to, but I found him more enjoyable as we went on. So at the very beginning I was like absolutely not. Not interested in you. I find I find that character in general unless played by Harrison Ford <laughs> not it doesn't work for me. The I find rogue. it I find it obnoxious and I think generally written by men who think that men are more charming than they actually are and don't actually understand what is charming, <laughs> I think. Um, so, yeah, I generally don't like those characters. But as we went on and when he was helping out Eleanor, um, I enjoyed that. But I, I'm not overly attached to him. I'm not overly interested by him. I also enjoyed when he's talking to the guy who may or may not have cognitive issues.
0: Randall, yeah. Randall,
1: Um I found found that a bit of fun, the way he was trying to work with him and then getting frustrated and then perhaps thinking a little bit more deeply than others about the strategy behind that perhaps. It's I amazing
0: how your charm or your like way with words, your silver tongue doesn't work on someone who maybe is not thinking about things on that sort of level who isn't yeah. so interested in self-preservation or isn't like all those sorts of things that yeah. was interesting like place for him to be i thought that's an, it uh, was. a twist on what you would normally see in that yeah
1: and i like the idea perhaps this is what happens moving forward um of his alliance with Randall or at least like some sort of respect and perhaps even a friendship there, um, a warmness, a warmth between the two because they're both trying to survive in very different ways, I think. Um, but, yeah, it, it's hard because he has such little attachment to anyone in the show, in the story. So I think moving forward, if there's a bit more attachment and you can see other levels to him – I might be a bit more inclined to be invested. I think
0: it's funny. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe one of the things that's helped me a little bit is not that I'm super familiar with Treasure Island, but mm. understanding this was a prequel. I did mm-hmm. a little bit of like returning to it, right? Just mm-hmm. the basic plot, the basic ideas right. of like who Flint was in that story, what his reputation was. Yeah, uh, Long John Silver, Billy Bones, etc. Right? They've they they are. Characters that are mentioned, at least, in um, Treasure Island. Mm. And while not re- completely re-immersing myself in that story in any way, it, even just a basic sort of research or going back over it gave me some context which makes these characters more interesting. Like, right. by knowing what Flint thinks of John by the time we get to Treasure Island... Mm-hmm. Gives you a lot of context as to why I should be interested in these characters and their build, their relationship as it builds now, mm. and that could be a weakness of the show that it expects you to care about those things,
1: mm-hmm. or maybe I think it probably is a weakness. It
0: probably is a weakness, yeah. but it is a hundred and something year old story. Like, is it is it unfair for them to think that you're at least a little bit familiar with the reputation of Long John Silver? I don't. I know. I mean,
1: like, I am familiar with Long John Silver, but not so much that I like would be invested in like the origin story of that character. Like I remember Tim Curry, like I, like that is my reference point. So I've seen and watched that. I've watched that movie a million times. um, But going into black sales, I'm not really remembering those things or it's not infusing black sales with um, it's, it's not richer for it. It's, yeah, so I think if it is relying on that, of, of that knowledge, because um, you said you rewatched Treasure I've Island. I've rewatched parts of it, yeah. Very recently. So you might know this 100-year-old story. You probably read it or watched it at some point in your life, mm. but unless you've like perhaps watched it or read it just before watching this show, I'm not sure if, it, if that knowledge is really there, unless you really fucking love that story.
0: Can I? Can, would you be interested in me giving you just a nugget to think about as you watch the show, which might help you to enjoy it a little bit more? Because I don't no. think you're wrong. No, you, you, you don't no. want it. No. Okay. Cool.
1: Because I think in because then that way we're reviewing it from a different perspective. Totally. Which and I think is probably important.
0: I I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. For me, yeah, John starts out as, like you said, just that you know, roguish character, Han Solo mm-hmm. wannabe type thing, and that didn't do much for me at all. I, I did like that they they haven't made him the lead though. Flint, I think, is the closest thing to the lead. Maybe even Eleanor is the closest thing to the lead of this show. Um, yeah. and they often they push John out of the you know, out of the show for periods of time. He just ends up being like shackled to a chair in Eleanor's office or somewhere else, which wasn't that was not a such bad choice.
1: A, yeah, such a relief for me, I think. <laughs>
0: just to have him they, not have to be a main character. When they left him well.
1: behind, I was like, oh, because my initial thought was like, oh yeah, he is going to be the lead. And I was mm. like, mm, this is not going to be the show for me. But then when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, okay, now I actually have room to invest in the world and other people within it, which was good.
0: Ultimately, similar to Flint, though, I think the where they end up with that character is what makes it rewarding. So mm-hmm. him, uh, obviously, he's got that point where he's giving the last bit of information is where the Urk is going to be. And then he's like, well, what happens to me now? Then when shit goes wrong, he instantly runs to Flint and goes like, I am going to try and help you in this situation mm-hmm. because my... Uh, my skin depends on this too. Yeah. Then helping him after the he Flint murders Mr. Gates. But then my favorite part, the best thing that Flint that uh, John does in the entire series, I think, and really is a telling moment for who John is, and that is his skin is always the most important thing. Is mm-hmm. when he fires that cannon and forces them to engage with the Man of War. Like yeah. that is such a like it, it's kind of like the end of Game of Thrones season one where something so big happens that you don't expect to happen that it changes everyone's relationship to each other instantly um in the in the case of Game of Thrones sports for Game of Thrones someone gets don't oh no, yeah minus pause someone gets killed who was promised to not be killed right mm. and that moment's like instantly John and Flint basically have to be uh, partners Aligned. at that point yeah. they have to work mm-hmm. together and there's very little trust there <laughs> <laughs> but they're going <laughs> to, to have know, to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really exciting going to next season. I'm really looking forward to that. I thought that was an amazing moment. Are there other characters that stood out for you? Did you want to talk about um, uh, Billy at all? I liked Billy Bones. I thought he was a great character until he.
1: No, I'd rather died. talk about maybe some of the women.
0: <laughs> Let's do that. More than
1: like the m- incredibly boring, though endearing Billy Bones.
0: I, I, I mean, it was very. Like Mr. Gates, it was hard not to like Billy.
1: Yeah, he's sweet and he's nice to look at. Great. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I think while you really struggled with the early episodes, and I did as well to a certain degree, mm-hmm. um, what I was interested in was lesbians or actually bisexual women, I should say, okay. or queer women. Um, I was at episode two begins with Max and Eleanor in bed. And I was like, I fucking love this show and I want to give GJ a standing ovation for recommending it. <laughs> I was invested in that personal relationship. Um, So I was happily going from episode to episode to episode at that point just because I wanted to see some ladies loving ladies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found both those characters very interesting. I thought, though one more than the other, I found I understood Eleanor. I think her motivations were very clear. I think Mm -hmm. um, her need for independence She's clearly motivated by her position um, and the the culture that she lives in. So, that is all very clear to me and I understand why she's doing the thing she's doing. And the
0: bit with Vane where he's talking to her about what she was like when she was 13. When gross, she gross, but yeah. Gross, but I thought was, again, it was like, finally, as we're getting there, I'm like, I understand. Like, this is very insightful as to who this person is. The yeah. idea that she could walk out there as a young woman, mm-hmm. as he said, in a very gross way, looking like you did. Ugh. yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, be amongst these, you know, yeah. cutthroat men who rape and pillage and not feel threatened by them at all. Mm-hmm. Said so much about how she develops into the sort of person that she yeah. is. And uh, how, yeah, how very she... Very insightful
1: feels, yeah, as as confident as she does to do the things. Because as f- for a viewer, you're like, this world is so dangerous, particularly for women, mm-hmm. um, to be doing the things she does. You're like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. But it, it is clear from the way that those – the people react around her to the things that she's doing that this is not the first time that she has acted in this way. I think it's the first time that she's given – as much leeway or has as, as much power as she does. But this is very much a part of who she is. And I I enjoyed that part. I think with a pirate show, I was so scared of just women, just like violence on women just kind yeah. of being the focus. And there is an element of that and it is kind of hard to watch. And But I also think it, it's hard to tell a story without at least – acknowledging that it lives in a world where women are brutalized yeah. regularly. Um, but I was, I was happy to see that they've, they've got this character who does have power. Um, it's, it's, it's a relief to have a character like that in this world. And I think it's yeah. a really smart thing to have. Um, and we've also got the character of Max, mm-hmm. who's very interesting. At the beginning, I was like, I fucking love this chick. And I, when she says to Eleanor like let's just leave i was like in my notes i was like eleanor just leave i'm like sure that's the end of the show but what an <laughs> ending what an ending um in like episode 2 or something um th- what happens to her is awful mm. what do, what do you think about her choice when
0: that that's that is the choice right that is where i'm like i and it, it's I think if this came later in the show, to some degree, where I was more on board with what was happening in general, I might have just found it more like fascinating than I found it frustrating. But I, I, because I want to sympathise with this woman. Obviously, mm-hmm. I do about the things that happened to her, the way she, like you said, brutalised, just awful. Yeah. But the choice, the it's very, very hard to understand how you emotionally maybe. Any sort of logic says you don't go back to the people who are raping you because Mm. you're upset that your girlfriend dumped you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's really, really, like, making it base level. But that's what it comes down to. It's a personal grudge. And she is, uh, like, putting herself back in harm's way to do that. And it's very hard to sympathize with that choice at all. I found that baffling.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think... Because we know how scary and violent that experience has been for her. Yeah. Um, to then go back is baffling. Particularly, I think, maybe in that exact moment, I didn't understand that. Because there's there's one pirate in particular that she is not able to control in... Mm-hmm. Cause she is, she's a, a sex worker, and as a woman, that is, has been a source of her power. One the one scaric of power that she has been able to hold on to is that she is very alluring, and she you, can ha- she can use sex to um, lessen the danger for mm-hmm. her. Um, and there is one particular pirate that is immune, like it's clearly like a a, a psychopath and just wants to violently rape her and abuse her um but in the in the moment when she returns to the other crew it wasn't clear to me that that pirate had stayed with what's his face what's the name of their Vane. captain Vane thank you that that the the evil pirate was still with Vane because a bunch of them leave so i was mm-hmm. like maybe she's just going back to Vane who she probably knows and she Knows a bunch of his crew. So I'm like, oh, that's. He's more
0: predictable. There's something yeah, about that's not Vane that's. as yeah.
1: shocking to me. Um, however, and, you know, Vane ultimately had wanted to let her go. But when you we find out that that evil one is still there, it. Mm. And they do kind of explain it away of Max saying, you know, I, I thought I could kind of um, use what I have always used to find at least a a tiny bit of safety. That is not the case at all. Um, And it's clearly she has overestimated her ability to use that to control people. Um, Well, she tries to use it to
0: control that moment in an effort to, like, to take a barb at Eleanor, though. She says, you know, you Mm. did this to me. It's like... Did she though, Max? Like, I, I, yeah, you can really make a roundabout argument that that's what's happened, but you keep yeah. making this choice and at some point that's got nothing to do with Eleanor anymore. And very, very yeah.
1: hard to... Just, I yeah, think to there is a that. lot of, like, the the dots are placed on the map and we are having to, like, draw the lines to make it, make real sense in any yeah. way. And I think there is a way to kind of tell that story but it's not it seems very basic but the 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 trauma and the complex emotions around it need to be i think explained
0: yes yeah a bit better by the show yeah yeah the where they end up with max though she's now the the, madam the madam at the brothel that um jack is it bonnie jack and bonnie is it Bonnie, the I other? I think so. I think that's Yeah, right. Bonnie. Because uh, yeah. they're, they're a weird little duo who seem to just have a lot of stuff happen to them
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: they're in this situation where they're no longer with Vane, but they've got the brothel, but they're kind of with Vane again once Vane well, returns. Well, they're kind of like-, like
1: waiting for Vane because Vane doesn't tell them that he's leaving, though mm. Bonnie kind of has figured out what he is, has gone to do somehow. Sure. Um, but Jack is just, you know, he's loyal to Vane because he needs a captain. Is just kind of waiting there at the brothel Making trying to make some coin. Um, I actually didn't mind them as side characters. I thought I'm fascinated by Bonnie. I want to yeah. know more about her. Um, I like Jack. I he's someone that I, was like, I I find him an enjoyable character. But I also enjoy the complication of like a modern viewer, h- him watching this woman be brutalized, though it's not something he would do but it's just part of the world. So, I kind of enjoy that internal conflict in myself as a viewer. Um, but yeah, I like his relationship with Bonnie. I enjoy him when he is forced into some really complicated situations. Yeah, I like I liked both of them and I-, I guess I just want more from them.
0: I kind of like that Jack is like this pseudo-intellectual. He's got the rep- reputation for being really smart and clever mm. or whatever it is, but he's kind of never the one who solves the problem it always seems to be other people are doing the work for him and he just sort of benefits and it's like yeah it's hard to know what his worth is I just think
1: perhaps on the ship when things were going well he was that role for Vane like he was able to kind of you know figure out what the the dum-dums are doing on the ship and all that kind of stuff and keeping Vane informed but you know he's him and his crew are literally kind of in a a new a very new position in a new world for themselves um, and he's at a loss and so he's yeah just scrambling in every episode he's scrambling um and generally ineffective but i I don't mind that.
0: Going back to Eleanor for a second as well. one thing mm. that I started to notice as the show went on was the language being used about her by the men, by the captains and all this sort of stuff that was going on. Mm. And the word that kept coming up was control. It's like, you need to control her. She needs controlling. Mm. Which never gets talked about with any of the male characters. No one talks about Flint needing controlling. They talk about mm. him needing removing or him needing, like, being mutiny or whatever like that, right? It's like... He owns his power. While Eleanor has power, no one seems to think she owns it and that mm-hmm. if you can control Eleanor, then you will have power sort of thing. I just thought that was really interesting, kind of subtle. It wasn't explicitly said by anyone, but you, you hear that word enough times, you start to get that idea that just by being mm-hmm. a woman, she her well, power yeah, is talked about differently. I thought it was very very well-managed sort of how those the expectations well, we're of the relationship living...
1: are different. In within the show, we're not living in a world in which it would or could be viewed the same. Like she is mm. a woman and for the majority of her time in Nassau has been working under, under her father. So she is simply a representative of her father's power. Um, mm. And so only within like, you know, after the first few episodes of season one, she is in charge or scrambling for control of the island um, and what's happening on the island so to for the characters around her to use the word control makes sense both in their opinions of women and also representative of her role previously so yeah I don't know if it's I I think it is overt and I think it makes sense and I don't think it's I think, what what I guess
0: I give the show credit for is that other shows would maybe talk about it more explicitly, would say something Mm. about that, that's very, even Game of Thrones could do it, right? Have a conversation that's really on the nose, like a little finger comment about that, that Mm. would be way, way more overt, I guess. The thing I guess I need to give the show props for, that is if this show we jumped in and Eleanor was already the big boss, right? She wasn't Mm -hmm. just standing in for her father, Mm. Or, or John was already on the was already uh, Flint's, like, first mate or whatever, right? Yeah. As as much as it took a long time to get those players in those positions, by watching them f- get there, I'm mm. so much more invested now in what happens next. It yeah. just that transition from the status quo to the point of being interest mm. took too long. I almost, like, think this could have been four episodes rather than eight or something like that. Take mm-hmm. maybe six. It yeah. just... It does the work and Mm -hmm. I need to give it credit for that because everything is now in a really fun position. What's happening with Eleanor at the moment, Vane being in the fort, they're sort of like conflict of power and they're going to have to... She's going to have to compromise with Vane to keep Mm. someone that she really does not want to do that with
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is going to really push her in some fun directions next season.
1: Yeah. I think the character of Vane is... Probably the funniest to me because <laughs> sure. I can see the show making him, like, the character that m- men or boys really are like, oh, he's so cool. Like, you know, the way he talks and he's constantly just staring off and he's Like Jason mysterious. Statham became a pirate. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: So in a lot of ways, like, I am laughing at him, um, but I... Like, I guess I would like some more depth beyond him representing that absolute masculinity type thing. I think so he's kind of
0: basic, but but it's is, like, I yeah. think that's the point. It's like, he's mm. got a reputation for just being a hard ass. Um, yeah. This hyper-masculine figure, power mm. and physical power seems to be a big part of that. Like I'm fascinated to yeah. know a little bit more about that place he went to and his upbringing. It's very mysterious as yeah. to what that was, who that Kratos-like character was that he killed, how yeah. he survived that fucking kick to the throat, and then got buried and somehow <laughs> came from back to life almost. <laughs> like I legitimately thought he was dead. I was like, mm. you know what, show? If you realize that Vayne was not worth your time, you decide to just kill I him off.
1: him. I mean, it's pretty hilarious. Well done. Yeah. That's
0: like mm-hmm. that's well done. But actually, him returning now and doing what he's doing is is interesting enough that I'm willing to follow that into next season. Yeah, um, but he is kind of basic and. And clearly, that's like
1: an an element of why Eleanor was like, "Mm, not really interested because all you are is like brute strength. Mm. And that's kind of all you really respect or respond to. So
0: I did like him sort of when things aren't going well for him. And this is something that I think happens in men who are very much entrenched in that, in masculinity and toxic masculinity, our favorite word of the show, right? Yeah. He just becomes a massive sook and goes and lies in his tent. Like he doesn't know what yeah. to do. He has no emotional Get tools to deal with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just gets high and fucks and he's you know disappears and yeah. he, all the people that depend on him are sort of left scrambling and he, he just pisses off somewhere and goes and fights a dude and finally comes back more vile than ever. That sounds about right. It like does. Like that. Yeah. That sounds exactly like what someone like him in that position all those would
1: do. Yeah. 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 No. Great.
0: Doubles down on his machoism.
1: Yeah.
0: Just before we move into final thoughts, I guess what I am appreciating from this discussion is I kind of wish we'd watched this together and I had someone to talk to about it. I was watching this completely on my lonesome. Mm. I couldn't talk to my brother or anything about this. I showed him the last episode and I got I tried to get him excited. I want. I was like, I want you to get invested in this because I want to watch season two with you. Mm. Um, and he kind of, because he watched me watching it was like, this show is awful when I was watching the first <laughs> four episodes. Um, yeah. He just like could not get over how, how bad it was. But, the more we've talked about it, the more I do think I have to give the show props for building a really solid foundation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this show is a long way from being exceptional. Yeah. But, like, we are definitely at a point where you feel like uh, it could go places. Yeah. And, and, and the more truly exciting.
1: Yeah. The more time I spent in the world, I was like, this could be really interesting and expansive. And, mm. you know, I, I you know, grew a lot of faith in their ability to build interesting characters with complex relationships Mm -hmm. and the political side of it, I was really invested in for a lot of it. Not all of it, but a lot of it I was. and like, this could really be something that I didn't expect, didn't know I wanted, but was intriguing. And I was, yeah, learning about, (laughs) you know, how pirates really existed and how much of it was about – you know, economics and stuff. Like it was, that part of it was really interesting to me. And yeah, it's a shame now because we know obviously it stops at a certain point, but I I could see it going for quite a while and being an enjoyable show.
0: But the the thing, like four seasons, we know it's four seasons. That Mm. doesn't seem bad to me. Game of Thrones could have been four seasons and probably been way more successful ultimately. I just
1: hope it ends and I, I don't know the stories around like cancellation or whatever it was but i hope it ends in a really satisfying way is my only thing because i can see myself getting really invested um and i would be upset if it just dropped off without getting at least some type of ending
0: two things give me hope gj Mm. said that this story was very satisfying and really well told story ultimately cool and from what I understand for a little bit of research I did is it was announced beforehand that season four would be the last season. Okay, so cool. it was a situation where like they're expecting a season five and then, oh, no, you're not coming back. That's it was good. It's getting one more season. We will wrap up this story. Cool. So it feels like there's going to be some finality to that. It's going to wrap that up, which is good. But mm-hmm. I'm getting the sense that you like enjoyed like when Eleanor had her little like small council thing happening in the later half of this show as well, when she's like got those captains and they're having discussions about who's going to do what and like mm. how we're going to manage this and
1: yeah, You're I, enjoying I, the in- element things? I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed, um, before all of that happens and that the tide is turning against Eleanor, and you've got that man speaking on the street, and it's you mm. know, it's about balancing like image and relationships and all of that kind of stuff that I was fascinated by um, and also like the politics w- within the, the ship as well. So yeah. how you kind of at any point, you know, mutiny can break out and, yeah, the kind of deals you have to make with both the crew and yourself in order to keep balance. And I, I enjoyed all of that stuff. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. I'll just go over a
0: few side notes. And they're just a few little moments, most of them, just things that when they happened, I found myself fully invested in. Mm-hmm. No, actually, one in particular is not. Do you remember in, like, episode one or two, they've they they've come back, the, the I think it's episode two, mm. uh, the Walrus crew has come back to Nassau, and they're all having that, like, party on the beach. And then Flint, I think he's just come back from Mrs. Barlow's place, whatever it is, he's on his way there. Mm. And he, like, stands over them on a hill, and then, like, takes his mask off to look at them and then like puts it back on i'm like yes. what the fuck that was just for the audience to know who this was that was bizarre and really weird and one of those things where i'm just like i don't know what the show is doing um, i
1: mean as someone who you know as we all do have uh, you know having to wear a mask outside at any point like i would love to just be able to take it off for a second so just, i get it i just get need it. some
0: relief yes um yeah, moments I enjoyed as the season started to get along, and they, a lot of these are actiony, like nautical adventure, like swashbuckling mm-hmm. moments. But I really, really got into this. The yeah, when they're trying to gain speed and sort of understanding what, like you know, how knots are measured, and like that moment of like the risk reward of having to open up all the sails but worrying mm. that the mast might not be able to take it. I enjoyed the suspense and the tension there. When they approach, uh, I can't remember the name of the ship, but the one they're trying to get the guns from, and they're figuring out how they can. Mm-hmm. Approach this because if they come from behind, they'll never catch it. But if they come from the side, they open themselves up to a, a volley of uh, cannonball fire. Mm-hmm. And they've got the guy up in the crow's nest who's sniping. Oh, well, the
1: sniper, yeah. Yeah. I was
0: like, that's cool. I've never seen that in a pirate Particularly
1: thing with, like, guns back then. It's very skilled. Guns Good back Lord. then... On a ship that's like two
0: ships that are both moving with the water. I was like, "This seems unlikely, but it's cool." And and I appreciate it. it, Yeah, Um, I don't remember the guy's name, like the accountant guy who ends up sort of becoming the quartermaster towards the end. Who, thank
1: God, gets a haircut because that wig was pissing me off. Yeah,
0: but when it's like his first time, right? And so Hmm. they didn't have the budget to like turn this into a big. you know, Game of Thrones-esque sort of ship battle. But when they mm-hmm. board the other ship and they sort of put it from his perspective and the confusion and, like, the the smoke mm-hmm. and the chaos and then he just, his instincts kick in, survival instincts, oh. and he just bites that guy's throat out. That was pretty...
1: Because uh, Angela didn't watch this with me, um, but she was in the lounge room at the same time. I think she was, like, work, doing work from home as I was watching that battle. <laughs> and she was... Horrified, <laughs> she's like, "This show is fucked up." And I was like, "It is actually." Yes, um, is.
0: the very next episode, they're trying to deal with like how to manage like the the that crew has sort of embedded themselves in the ship. They they've created this stalemate situation where they can't get to the guns without blowing up the ship, and then yeah. they find out they've got the slaves on the ship as well, and mm-hmm. they've signaled out to the you know, the pirates that have come that they're there, and then the plan to get the, the stakes in the that steak- episode yes.
1: were really really good. Really Spoiler, good. Spoiler it's my favorite episode. Like I was like I'm excited by everything that's happening in this episode.
0: That those that episode 5 and episode 6, which is that episode is like the yeah. show turns. It just mm-hmm. turns into something that's fun to watch. Yeah. They get the stake in, they're going to use it to break the chains and then on top, they start plowing away at the deck so they've got Just so they've got that rhythm to do it in so they can get away without being heard. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. So clever. Loved all of that. Um, When the Urka isn't there, as much as that scene telegraphs it beforehand, there's still that feeling of, I don't know what happens now. Like, Mm -hmm. you are fucked, Flint. Um, When they've got the plan set up and they've they've flanked the Man of War and it's like... Like in D&D, you have advantage. It feels like they're going to win this because they've got them from either side. They're going to rake it from stern to bow, whatever yeah. they say with the cannonballs. But then the, it just mm-hmm. seems to endure long enough to come about and then all those cannons open up and you're just like, oh, fuck, they are fucked. was a very cool <laughs> moment. Like, um, and then something yeah. else I really liked about the final reveal that the Urka had um, shipwrecked the night before, right? The, uh, the subtle way they set that up where that epi- mm. final episode starts with the storm happening and we're just on the walrus and you can feel it's obviously like a big deal, but the men are below deck and then Flint and and, Je- and John and, and G- Gates are doing their thing in the captain's quarters. And then we cut to Eleanor and that storm's happening on Nassau and she just simply says, oh, quite a storm. It's a real ship killer. Yeah. But it's like a total throwaway line that's just meant to make you understand that it's like, oh, it's a big storm. Yeah. But then they move on but that's the setup to understand that yeah the urka
1: which was, was perfect, killed by that storm cuz i remember that i remember that line and then knowing that they're on the ship i was like well it's relevant obviously to that ship specifically like captain yes. flint's ship um but then like as we move through the storm you forget about it and exactly. then at the end when it's revealed you're like Oh, thank you. They That's just cool. Planted the way you that, that seed yeah.
0: that justifies that it's not. It's it shouldn't be a surprise because we told you that this yeah. could happen, mm-hmm. and it did happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. Um, yeah. A couple little musings. I'm assuming you hated the titles.
1: Of course, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I are. mean, I like the like exciting, ominous piratey music, but. You know, for those who haven't listened to our 500 other podcasts, I fucking hate an opening titles that is just close-ups, like panning over something symbolic that exists within the show. Like I've just, Wah. yeah.
0: Um, I learnt that condoms existed at the time. That was.
1: Yeah, I was like, I. Th- that's a mistake. Oh no, <laughs> I forgot to edit that out. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. There you go.
0: My final little note. <laughs> There's a scene, uh, I think it's in the last episode, the second last episode, uh, John is below deck on the Urca and he's talking to Randall about how like, you know, I think you might actually be a genius that you're just hiding behind this guy's and I was like, oh, he's going to fart here, right? This is going to be his way of, I'll shit himself or do something that's just like, just to prove, you know, how not with it that Randall is. Yeah. But I, I really appreciated the choice of fart sound effect. Because oh, it's more often than not, they go for just like that canned fart that you've heard a million times. That's mm-hmm. like, no subtlety in that. It was just a little bit of like a wet squeaker. Just mm-hmm. just a little like there was thought put into yeah. what sort of fart would come out of Randall. I just really appreciate that.
1: That's good. That's <laughs> what nice, was Brad.
0: your least favourite episode, Damask? Uh,
1: I think it's going to be episode three, also known as I, I, I. Um... Uh, Mostly because it's the episode, I believe, where Max makes her baffling choice. Yep. Um, the The show is both somehow stalling and I think at its most distressing. <laughs> so, I'm both kind of bored in scenes and then so upset by others. Um, and I don't think the level of distress is justified um, just simply because I don't have an understanding of motivation from the characters within those scenes. Um, So, yeah, I think that's got to be my least favourite.
0: Episode three is also my Mm -hmm. least favourite for the exact same reason. And uh, as I said in my notes at the time, get on the fucking boats. I was just, just get back on the (laughs) walrus, please.
1: Well, that's the thing is like, I quite like the stuff on Nassau, but we do also need then the stuff on the boats. Like it's that balance that they need. Sometimes they focus too much on like, storylines that rely on like a lack of information or just mm. people or just people talking. Um, yep. But I need a bit of the action and that feeling of momentum and excitement and adventure with the politicking stuff as well.
0: That's it. It needed the momentum. It needed to mm. be – there needed to be full momentum because it's just talk, 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 talk about the ERCA and about like how they're getting information. Like, please start doing something to actually get <laughs> to that. Stop talking about it and start yeah. doing uh, what was your favorite episode?
1: Well, for pretty much the reasons that we were just speaking on it, I for me, it's episode six. You know, mm-hmm. we've got Flint and his crew seizing the guns on. I think it's Andromache. Um, yes, very exciting. We have Eleanor, sorry Eleanor's right hand man in the sh- in the ship, which gave us a great perspective um, and our relationship with the slaves within the ship, mm-hmm. um, which was great. So the stakes in in that moment from both sides of the ship, um, from either ship, was really, really well done, really clever. And I I was very invested in that. And then we also, because the plot line with Max at that point had been so distressing and just kind of waiting for her to have some kind of freedom again, watching then um, Eleanor and Bonnie worked, cu- finally come together properly to save Max was the the relief that I needed. And mm-hmm. so I was invested in that storyline progressing to that stage because I'd, ha- I'd had enough of her being yeah. in that situation at that point. So that was really good.
0: It was a good way to really insert Bonnie in because at that point she'd just sort of been this like uh, Dr. Blight-esque like hair yeah. over one eye figure, <laughs> just sort of like yeah. a female... Jack Sparrow, who doesn't talk, who's just there and not wasn't really, really part of any of the action or anything that mm. was happening. And so this really inserted her yeah. into her motivations. Well, I, yeah. And- I,
1: I loved the kind of the complications around being a, uh, a female pirate. And so mm-hmm. obviously she is having to watch women be brutalized and stuff. And I also like the hints that we get, the not so subtle hints, particularly towards the end that her... Empathy towards Max may be intertwining with perhaps uh, an interest, yeah. um, whether sexual or romantic, could be both, could be one, um, in, in Max, which I was like, oh, cool. So, I, yeah, it looks like we're going to get uh, a different perspective of Bonnie next season, I hope, because, yeah, I'm very interested to know more about her.
0: Absolutely. Um, I want to give an honourable mention to episode five, which is mm-hmm. where – uh, they're chasing down is the Andromeda or whatever it's called, the whatever that ship is, the one with the guns anyway. And just the way it turned finally into something that I was enjoying, um, mm-hmm. like the stuff where they're trying to gain speed, etc., yeah. etc. et cetera, et cetera. their plan to take that ship. Um, but I'm going to give my favourite episode to episode eight, mm-hmm. um, the final episode of the season, because it does feel like, as much as I felt like I had to endure a lot to get here, mm-hmm. where we get to especially on the walrus but even back on nassau is built to something that i'm genuinely excited for next season and mm-hmm. i have re-watched because i showed this to my brother that basically all the walrus stuff in that last episode and it's just very exciting and well pulled off the moment mm-hmm. where they're meant to fire on the ship and then uh the accountant guy whatever his name is the guy who cut who bit that guy's throat out <laughs> starts to pull the mutiny it's like choose your fucking timing mate this is Terrible, (laughs) terrible timing, Um, but you feel the urgency that, Mm. like that, that conflict of what's going to happen next. John firing the cannon to Mm. pull them into that really, really worked for me. Just loved it. Uh, Predictions, hopes, and concerns for season two.
1: I yeah, I hope it continues with the the momentum that we finally get to in season one. I'm hoping for more character development to have more a little bit more investment um, in both people who exist on the boat and those in Nassau. Um, I'm I'm excited to watch season two. I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but I kind of want to wait until after lockdown so we can watch it together. (laughs) Sure, yeah. No one else we know is going to watch it with us.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's well. I've got. I think Liam will. I think convinced Liam to watch it with me. Yeah. He after watching. The bits that I showed him at the end mm. of season one, um, I think he's he seemed interested in watching at least starting to watch it with me. So I've got someone. Um, we can wait oh, well, a little bit
1: potentially.
0: If you want to wait, if you think that's going to help, I'm I'm happy to do that. We can come Maybe. back to that later.
1: I also just I'm just desperate to have something to hope for, and so the idea of us watching a show together <laughs> sounds really good right now.
0: That's fair. Yeah, that's okay. Let's do that. Let's yeah. <laughs> Black Sales. You're now on our uh, dream board. You're now. On yes, our, that's it. Um I think I, I'm very much looking forward to season two based off where season one ended. I think the momentum is really strong. I'm genuinely interested in what happens next with pretty much all of these characters. My only sadness is it seems very unlikely we're gonna get much time on a ship for a while. The walrus is mm. shipwrecked and the like I assume it's gonna to have to be rebuilt and you know, at some stage, or I don't know what's gonna happen next, but it does seem like we're a long, long way away from being at sea again, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is very helpful from a budget point of view. But as someone <laughs> yeah. who really enjoys the stuff at sea, the swashbuckling aspect of it, I'm a little sad when I'm probably going to miss that. Yeah. Do you think...
1: Well, maybe we'll learn a lot about how to fix a, a giant boat like that. Hey, boat building. I, I enjoyed two. when they which were cleaning
0: the walrus on the, yeah. on the ship. That was actually not too bad. And yeah, I, that was fun stuff. Do you think... Billy fell, or Billy was pushed, and do you think we're going to find out? Get some sort of like follow up on that.
1: I think he was pushed.
0: You think he was pushed?
1: Yeah, I I really do. Um, I hope, I hope we get some kind of resolution with that. I kind of want to see Billy again. (laughs)
0: Listen, we didn't see him him die. It does feel like he's coming back.
1: He's still just holding the bottom of the boat, just biding his time, biding his I, time. I would
0: assume he was picked up by the ship that was trailing them, would be my no, guess. No, I think my theory's survived. right.
1: <laughs> but uh, he's
0: just <laughs> grabbed onto some barnacles. And he's yeah, just he like, felt
1: like a little air bubble, just got his little head in there, yeah, waiting. Surviving waiting. there
0: for days. <laughs> uh, I actually think he was pushed, I'm not sure that's... But I, I like how vague they've played that moment. They mm. really have not given you any clues. There's just a conversation, cut away, Billy's gone. I don't know what happened in that moment. Hmm, Interesting. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Lawty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordas, on Twitter at bgordas, damask.
1: You can find me on Twitter at MaskyMoo, M A S K Y M O O.
0: Good work. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss corporate season one. I've not seen a second of this, uh, but I've Demaster's watched all watched-
1: season one and two, and I fucking love it.
0: So I'm very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, <laughs> thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.
1: Bye. Good
0: night, everybody. And so, it's